Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Something Something Podcast. My name is Eric Kasloff, and the other guy you're going to be hearing is Larry Sands. How's it going, Larry? Everything is great, man. We've been we've been off for a couple of weeks, right, from doing our podcast. Yeah, it feels it's been a very long time <laughs> since we've done any podcast, really. I know, I know. It, it it for good reason, though. You know, Eric. I think one of the good things about our podcast is it introduces people to us and what we do and how we kind of operate with, with, you know, how we go about doing creative stuff. Right. Yes. And one of the things that, that we are, and we're able to talk about now is, um, you want to tell people or you want me to, you can tell, you can, you can announce it. Okay. <laughs> We're actually working on an audiobook. We're producing an audiobook. Yes, we are. Which which you know, this is our first time. We're first timers at at audiobook production and slowly, well, not slowly, but quickly figuring out that really we're just the facilitators. We look for the narrator. And... Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we had no clue what we because, again, we're film people. Yes. We thought we were going to be with them while they record it. And <laughs> right. then you're like, no, we just record it and send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, like... OK. <laughs> um... It's like, it's like, no, 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 you don't have to be on there. You just send me the notes. It's all right. Cool. And it's it's an interesting process because I think, Eric, we kind of. I'd like to kind of think we kind of cover the spectrum on what we do creatively, I think. Right. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and this new, <laughs> this new form of, of audiobook production is, is really interesting. Um, and how different people work because, you know, when you're on a film and you do an audition, it's really visual and, and, you know, you have to see people kind of like, like perform in the audition and stuff and and some people with the audiobook stuff have been really good at you know just going going with the flow even though i don't tell everybody about the author of the book because neither of us wrote it yes that's true people know a little bit about the book yes her name is uh sc burns and it's cooksville usa and and what would you call it historical fiction historical fiction so so the characters in there are real she built a story which i like i like you know the story of the real characters with uh stories you know kind of filling in the blanks that make you instead of like a historical just straight historical it it yeah. it makes it a little bit better so yeah definitely and you know we're we're gonna have her on the show soon yes but hey larry speaking of authors and writing books we have someone on the show that is man such an accomplished person and really um so talented also give some more detail about our guest yes yes i i think I think I'm just going to introduce our guest and then just start asking him because he's got a professional, he he has a professional life and then he's got a really rich creative life. So want to welcome on the show, Dr. Otto Stallworth Jr., MD, MBA, I should add. Hi, Otto. How are you? Hi, how you doing? Thanks Good. for having me. 
It's interesting you mentioned audiobook because I just uh I just my audiobook will be published Monday, Monday or Tuesday. Oh wow, really? Yeah, awesome. every place except Amazon. Amazon takes a little longer. And what you mentioned, uh, you know, at first they wanted me to to uh to you know do, do the book because in a memoir yeah. they asked for the uh the author. And and um it took me uh, the the prologue is a page is uh, two pages. It took me an hour wow. <laughs> to, to do two pages. <laughs> so they wanted me to come to Cosbad, California, and do for five hours a day, four four or five days, uh, four to five days a week to record. Yeah, to an hour. I'm you know I'm worn out, and I start you know mispronouncing words. Right. My southern accent comes out. Uh, I mumble. It was a, uh, it was an impossible task. So I I had a narrator like like you did. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's 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 a tedious process, you know. But uh, we got through it. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's and awesome. So, yeah, very awesome. And okay, so uh, where's it, it? So it's available now, and it's you available, can. It's available now to pre-order on um, Barnes and Noble, uh, Apple Books. And uh, some other places I'm not that familiar. Chirp, and wow. uh, a few other places. Storytell, and uh, a few other places like that. But uh, and and Nook, oh Nook, Nook is uh, is Barnes and Noble, and uh, and it, and Amazon takes a little longer. Uh, Amazon and Audible. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly when it, when when uh, when that will be released, but I'll let you know. Oh, please do, please do, yes, and please, and and I I I would assume, are you gonna put it on your website at all and yes, link it up? Yes, okay. In and, fact, uh, it should be uh, an option on the by Monday. There will be an option on the website to order it uh, from these different uh, different places I that have it. it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, and uh, obviously, I think the links are going to be in the description. The links area. will be in the description. Okay. Yeah. Of every right. of every place. Because by can the get time it. this episode mm -hmm. comes up next week, the book will be available. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you know, it it's interesting because obviously, you know, the the reason we met you and are talking to you is is about your book. So I'd like to talk. Um a lot about you and your book, which is a very interesting title. Yes. yes. Which neither of us will be saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that, that's an interesting story. You know, when, when I, um, I, uh, I didn't go start out wanting to write a memoir, but I joined a writing group. I was invited to join a writing group of about six individuals, all who are professional writers. And, and and actors and producers and all that sort of thing, and uh, they were writing a memoir, and I learned that a memoir, you know, at the time I wasn't quite sure what the difference between a memoir and an autobiography, and it was explained that autobiography is chronological, and usually about a whole a person's life from you know birth to mm. to, to death, uh, but a memoir is just a slice of life, and it means what you remember. So one of the so, uh, and I was instructed by one of the guest writers. She said, "Just," I said, "I, I can't." I'm not thinking uh, of a long one long story. So she said, Otto, just write. She said, just write it and it'll come to you. So the first thing I remembered, because I never forgot this experience, this experience where I was asked that question was in 1971. 
when I was an intern uh, at a hospital in Ohio, I was uh, the only black physician out of 35 interns and residents. And a patient asked me that question. And the patient was, uh, was had a little dementia. So it was kind of an understanding. I won't tell you my answer. You have to read the book to get the answer. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was asked that question. I was stunned. So I never forgot that story. I mean, it was hard to forget that, right? Right. I mean, that. So that was that was the first story I wrote. And so when it came around to giving a title to the book, you know, in a memoir, you're competing with uh, the Obamas. You're competing with Prince Harry. You're competing with all these famous individuals. Right. So you so in order to get attention, I was told you need a you know you need an interest in title and and, <laughs> and the title saying you know, Doctor Otto Stallworth's life wouldn't get as much right. play or, or or attention, and uh, and since it was the first story I wrote and it was such a, you know what's a, what's the word a, a, a emotional moment yeah uh, that uh, that you know I decided to use that as the title. Wow. Well, okay. Um, so and you... interesting enough, first, I, I had an agent. I had an agent at first, and this is an interesting thing. I had an agent uh, that we broke. We we started in two thousand twenty-one, August two thousand twenty-one. We parted about six months later because we had some disagreements. Mm. But um, she, the first question she asked me was, uh, "Well, how did you decide?" I said, "Decide what?" She said, "Whether you were or." Oh so my god! She, she thought I was asking myself. That question that it was like a dilemma for me. Uh, oh, what? Let's let's skirt <laughs> around the name of the book. That it's I'm not your N word is right. the name of the book. Now, just so you know, it, are, it comes... so are you an N word or a doctor? That's, that's right, that's, right, yeah. right, right, right. And now, just so you know, we do a podcast for a lady who wrote a book called "Shit Isn't a Dirty Word." Right. So we're familiar with attention grabbing titles. Yes. Okay. Yes. But that's an interesting title. Yeah. Oh, that you know, and and I'm I okay. First of all, because I I do want to get into your life and stuff, because obviously that's what your memoir is about. But I think it's worth talking about since we're on, how hard has it been for you with your book and that title, just the title alone to get any kind of, well, anything and any well, kind I... of uh, entertainment or uh, like agent or, or any kind of publishing uh, going. Uh, the only problem I've had you know, was with uh, Facebook and Amazon. Wow. Uh, initially, Amazon wouldn't let me uh, uh, use the book in advertisement. But after I wrote a letter explaining my my position and explaining the acceptance of the way I spelled the word out using the asterisk, yeah, uh, because they have a ban where you can't use. Like if, if you use the, the name of your other book, uh, S-H-I-T, you right. couldn't put in S-H uh, star T. Yes. Uh, right. S star, you know, and same thing for F-U-C-K. You couldn't do that. But right. those are curse words. So, but it's become acceptable to use the say either N-word or in asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. So after I wrote this letter, it was a long letter about it. Well, not a long letter, but a full page letter. Mm -hmm. They uh, approved it. Facebook doesn't have a process where you can um, where you can uh, answer the questions and 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 uh, talk to a person or, right. or by email. Amazon gives you the option to talk to a person by email or talk to a person. Yeah. 
Uh, Facebook is just Does all not. about yeah, yeah, very impersonal. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to get anything done, so we gave up on that end. But, yeah. Well, Mark Zuckerberg the first AI. Hmm? Yeah, what was that? I believe Mark Zuckerberg isn't a human; he's an AI, <laughs> so he doesn't understand human emotions. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, but that's the only only issue I've had. Other than that, it's gotten more attention than it normally would. I think than if it was just my name, Doctor Star Wars Life, oh, yes. or something. Oh yes. Uh, oh, yeah. help with that. Yeah. 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 I, I can see that. And you know, for everybody who, and yeah, and it doesn't surprise me obviously because nobody wants to be like, like Amazon, they don't want to get any backlash, but when you explain your, you know, right. where you're coming from. And I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think it's an even better thing that they accepted it. Obviously, yeah. this it it's like a weird. This sounds weird, like is it's 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 refreshing to know that they actually look and talk. You can talk to somebody, and it's right. not just some kind of cold review process where they don't care what you say. They're not going to do it. Much like Facebook, we all have issues with Facebook. By the way, when you're trying yeah. to put out a book, and it's the same way with. Uh, with uh, Kareem, right, and her book, um, but it's 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 refreshing because I think it that opens up a really big conversation. I think yeah. you know um, about about <laughs> what it's about, and and yeah. and tell us a little bit because because you were born in the. 50s correct 40s 40s, 40s. 40s. yeah and and it was in alabama too yes 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 the first half of the book well almost half but the, the book is divided up between uh you know uh, birth and then uh, uh uh elementary school high school college uh, medical school internship residency and then afterwards so it's divided between that time so i i never left the the alabama state line i had never seen anything outside of alabama until i left to go to college which was uh, and i left at age 16 wow. and that was the first wow. time i crossed the alabama state line and went by a train so so the first half of the book deals with my life in birmingham and it and it's and it deals with what's going on um, in terms of uh, racial conflict and all that sort of thing, but but mostly it's about um, what I was doing and that's sort of like in the background. In other words, I'm going through puberty. I'm going through. I could read you some of the titles that might give you an idea. Oh, yeah. please do. Yeah. <laughs> How it goes, and uh, for example. Uh, one titled "Well, Childhood and uh, Well, Growing Pains, Growing Up in the Heart of Dixie," the White Water Incident. That's the story about where I wanted to taste white water. You know, because we had signs oh. colored only white all every place. So I wanted to, and I was six years old, seven, six or seven years old, and I thought the white water must taste different. So that that's what that's <laughs> about. Then there's one called uh, "Hair and Shampoo." It's where I wanted to have uh, curly hair, like you know, some of my friends had curly hair, and and I had this. My mother called it nappy hair, uh -huh. and so it's about where I put shampoo in my hair, and uh, my hair got wavy. So I wore the shampoo to school, 
And then I got caught in the rain. Oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> such, the such, the hair such came down all over the of my face and all that because we had to walk from one building to another to another class, and it started raining. Oh, and you know, oh, in, in Alabama, we had those thunderstorms, you know, flash rain. So it was raining really yeah. hard all of a sudden. Wow. And then there's one called Penis Envy, and I won't go into that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> And there's one called uh, skin. I don't want to be white. That's when I had some spots on my skin. And and uh, I was diagnosed by the dermatologist as having vitiligo. Oh. And I was, was going to turn and he showed me a medical book with uh, people that had vitiligo, black or white. You know, you turn to this really pale color. Yeah. Supposedly, that's what, why Michael Jackson wore a glove on his hand that time he was wearing right. a glove because his hand had turned, turned white. And uh, I could go on and on, but, you know, uh, the puberty clock and basketball. I, because I started high school at 12, I had no pubic hair, no hair under my arm, and no facial hair. And 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 so and then I made the basketball team and had to wear a tank top. And I didn't want to raise my arm so people could <laughs> see. And and when taking a shower, I had to cover myself up, figure out how to take a shower with nobody seeing me because guys made fun of people that right. didn't have hair, yeah. you know? Yeah. So those kind of stories. And, and, and those are funny. There's a lot of funny kind of stories in here. And That's I could go on. That's what I was about to because, say. It sounds like a wonderful slice of yeah. life book along with, you know, I'm sure there's other things that happen, but it sounds like it's just a easy read for someone. Yes. I have one here called Passing for White. This where I ran into, you know, we had uh, and, and uh, we had uh, people of all kinds of complexions and some families that were very fair skinned and some white people would mistake them for white. Well, I ran into one of my friends in San Francisco when I was at a medical meeting and he turned out he'd been he was passing for white and had passed for white for the last since he left out when he went into the army, he left to go to the army at 18 and they just looked at him and wrote down white. And, you know, wow. <laughs> so. How do they say? Uh, don't don't ask, don't tell. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so he never told anybody, and he's living living his life uh, uh, with a wife and two kids and so forth. So I won't tell you too much about it, so you have to read it. Yeah. But that's uh, so a lot of interesting stories like that, and then then the stories like when I I went to Chicago to work for a summer, and uh, I got and I had never been to Chicago, and after being there three days. I got a job driving a city bus. So naturally, I got lost driving the bus because I didn't know Chicago. People got angry because <laughs> I didn't know where Wrigley Field was uh, or oh. to that. And then uh, at the same time, I, I had a, a, a white roommate who was a law, law school student, and, and his um, his roommates were, were touring Europe for the summer. He was, and so he had a vacancy room that he rented to me for the summer. And he and his friends, he was very hippie like, you know, that was that was this was the late 60s where, you know, everybody was wearing, you know, bell bottoms and flower yeah. shirt yeah. and this and that. And they also were doing LSD. Right. And they oh. did LSD like every night oh and I watched God. them. And so then I experimented and I won't go into that right now either because that's all in the book. But uh, OK, uh, so there's a lot of uh, interesting things in that, you know, when people hear the title, they expect, I think, a more serious right. kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, topics, uh, topics that, stri uh, that deal strictly with racism or something like that. Yeah. But it's all kind of, all kind of uh, 
stories in it because I wrote be between, um, by the time I got to age 40, I had written 1,000 pages. And the oh. book ends when I turn uh, 39 or 40. Wow. And uh, that's because I had written 1,000 pages. I edit those pages down to 300. Okay. And uh, and that's what's in the book now. And I said a part two, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, when you're reliving those things, that's some very pleasant things you relive, but there's also some things in there. You know, my parents divorced when I was 12, and and nobody at that time, divorce was very unpopular. Nobody else in in Birmingham was divorced. Yeah. So it was like a stigma. Right, uh, right. And of course, times have changed now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, very. Yeah, and, you know, that's the one thing, too, that I don't think, and especially the younger generation today, I don't know. Because as and I should set this up, what I'm going to say is when you when you're telling your stories, I can almost imagine that reading because you're so visual the way that you talk. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. it seems probably most likely the way you wrote it is super visual. But, you know, and I grew up like obviously in the 80s and the late, late 70s. But um and but I can have like an appreciation and just imagine like all the things that that you grew up that we just read about in the history books. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. and I don't think like and especially kids these days, I don't know. I think I think they do care, but they're so busy on social media and trying to do and be just like everybody else that it kind of just doesn't even occur to them. Yeah, you know, the biggest difference when I grew up, of course, when I first round up into age six or seven, we only had radio. And then uh, and then all of a sudden television. And we only had two radio stations, sometimes three. And so everybody tended to watch the same thing. The news was on twice a day, in the morning and in the, in the afternoon at six o'clock. Now we have what 200, 300, 400 right. channels, and yeah, and now with yeah. uh, Apple TV and all these other this uh streaming and all that, we have more. Mm -hmm. So, no, we're not watching the same news, we're not watching the same anything, right? And and in in LA, you know, I'm in Los Angeles, quite diverse, and I found that you know, Korean people are watching Korean television, uh, Hispanic people are watching Hispanic television, yeah. Persians are watching Persian. TV yep. Yep. and so on and so forth. So we're not getting the same news at the same time. And and so it's totally different than it was uh, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s, where we yeah. were all getting the same information at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's back then we had a monoculture where everybody was watching the same thing. Like there's that whole report how when the last episode of The Fugitive aired, the water pressure in yes. America dropped because right, everybody right. went to go use watching. the bathroom because you couldn't pause or record. Right. But now everything is so, like you were saying, individualized where, yeah. you know, with streaming services, you could watch just channels from your home country. Right. If you live in America, you know, so it's very... And I don't know how I feel about us not having that monoculture anymore where because the conversation has changed so much about stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then I also like that there's stuff that's catered towards me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Our younger generation, like, uh, you know, I have uh, kids that range from 22 to 52. And my 22-year-old rarely watches the news and his friends. They rarely watch the news because they're so busy doing social media stuff. And that takes up all the time. Yeah. So it's a totally different. Uh, it's, it's like what you said, mono news. Uh, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. So it's hard to get the message out, whatever the message is. It's even hard. I mean, you mentioned that. Uh, I think you you know that I was uh, in the music uh, business for a short period of time. Yes, had, had that's cool. great success for a short period of time. We had this group called Taste of Honey. And uh, and uh, I met them at a wedding. And then uh, they asked me to be the manager because I had some connections in the music industry. And uh, and then they uh, the first record that we made sold 13 million. Jeez. And we went to number one in the chart. And we won a Grammy for, we were the first black group in the 22 year history of the Grammys at that time, because this was 1979, to win for best new artists. Wow, not that uncommon now, but it was very. It was the first time we were the first, yeah. first group, and uh, and 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 so, so when at that time when you wanted to promote a record, all you had to do was get it on the radio, you know, if you got got it and play it on the radio, and that's why it was so much payola and all those other scandals <laughs> that went on because if you got it played on the radio and they played it every 30 minutes, it would, it would sell. Well, now I don't know how they promote records because we got so many different venues and so many outlets and yeah. and you got to, you know, I mean, who listens to the radio? I don't know, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I, it's just a whole different world now with this internet stuff. Yeah, I actually, uh, true confession, I still listen to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want probably one of the, they probably have to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every time I, cause I drive, cause here in Texas, I go to California. I love driving kind of ish, but I turn on there. Anytime I try to like go through the big city, I try to find like radio stations and see what's going on. So they're like, please, Larry, come back to our state. So yeah. one thing about me is I have all the music streaming services, but I also have, you know, um, Oh my God! What's the radio streaming service, Larry? We're on it. The podcast. Oh, iHeartRadio. <laughs> I have iHeartRadio. What I love doing is I've always lived in big cities. I, I live in New Jersey now. Me and Larry met at church over twenty years ago yeah. in L.A. Yeah. And I've lived in New York. So my favorite thing to do is find local small town radio stations and if i can listen to their regular news just to know what's going on in a small town and let me tell you it's amazing the stuff you could find (laughs) yeah but you know our younger people i don't know what they listen they listen to whatever i don't know what they listen to to tell you the truth but i know they don't listen to the news (laughs) i told my son to my youngest son especially to just browse the headlines you know so you know what's going on you know it's hard to get them off of uh whatever whatever they do and then now they have these group things where they get on a video game and have about 10 people at one time and that's the way of socializing now is it's completely different than than years ago it's way different you know super and, super different and, and even if you mentioned streaming on the radio on the radio but like in my car on the radio now you have all these options of you can just listen to just this or just that you know you, you don't not necessarily listen to one of the uh, normal fm am radio stations yeah. you know yeah 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 and so many choices. Actually, to, to add to that and i think that's one of the the not and it's not horrible, but I think that's the unfortunate part is 
you type in like a band that you like and it pulls all these other bands up. So you don't re- you you discover them when a computer tells you to discover them as opposed to listening like I like classic rock and yeah. like um like when the Rolling Stones comes on um like Led Zeppelin and if you've never really heard those things before all these different band types come on I guess it's the same thing but it just seems so impersonal I think nowadays. Yeah. Well, the difference is, you know, when when if you remember, I don't know if, if, uh, how you if you guys remember when you bought albums, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. still buy vinyl records. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, on the album, that that might have been one hit record or two hit records, yeah. not the whole album. But now, when you listen to, like you mentioned, Spotify, these other streaming services, when you pick a uh, an artist, they play all these songs, some of them you never heard of, or some you didn't like. Right. You know, so what I what I did, I I had a restaurant uh, back in the late 90s and uh, and it was right at the like open in 99 called Hollywood Fries. It was over in Westwood, you know, UCLA. And at the same time that 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 the uh, that that restaurant opened, um, Apple uh, introduced iTunes. They hadn't introduced the iPod yet. It was another two or three years before they introduced the iPod, but they had iTunes. So you could select songs and play. So in a restaurant, I would, uh, uh, pick songs that I liked to play. And, you know, at that time, rap was becoming very popular. And, uh, uh, and so I would, I couldn't use rap you know, in a, in a restaurant, because you have children, you have other right, people. Yeah, coming, right. you know, at that time, it was a lot of cursing and this and that in every rap song. Yeah. So you couldn't play rap. So I would play maybe the instrumental part of the rap song and this, yeah. that, and other. But, and the reason I went to the Apple thing, when I would come come in the restaurant or listen into the restaurant, because I had the microphones there and then, my employees would change it to some hardcore rap. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go in and take control, Man. and that's when I started using Apple Music to kind of control the music. Yeah, um, um, it, it's a it was a, a whole you know that was that was kind of a uh, yeah. I mentioned a restaurant. The restaurant was Hollywood Fries. My partner in the restaurant was Danny Glover, and uh, wow. a from from uh, from um, Pepsi and a casting director uh, from uh, from who was doing uh, TV shows and movies. Wow. And um, that was an interesting experience. That that was the, you know, I admire anyone that can have a successful restaurant because that is the hardest. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> open a restaurant. That is some hard work. I had a manager, and then the manager didn't work out, and then my wife and I at the time tried to run it. And I'm gonna tell you that's I admire anyone. You know, Starbucks, McDonald's, whoever has a successful restaurant or restaurant chain. Yeah. My hat's off to them because that's a tough business. I think it for restaurant opens at uh, the most they last a year. Maybe if they're lucky, two new restaurants will last. The life expectancy isn't that great, and and there are reasons why. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough. It's, it's tough. Man, um, of all the things that you've done and you've, you, you really, okay, let me ask you this. This is a crazy question, but when you look back on the things that you've done over, over your life up to now, do you, do you look back on it and go, man, that was great? Yeah. Okay, good. Especially, you know, especially that taste of honey thing. I mean, that was something that, uh, 
that was like a dream. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I thought it was easy after that. And I tried it again five, four or five years later. I went back into it and tried it again. It never worked. But yeah. it looked so easy because, I mean, I met the group. And within a year later, we are the number one, have the number one record in the in the world. That's I mean, awesome. I can, you know, I, it looked easy to me. Right, <laughs> right. And it looked easy to my to the group. And I think that's why they ended up not having another hit record because they hadn't paid the dues in terms of uh you know the stress and whatnot of, of getting a hit record mm -hmm. uh, they're all like 19 20 21 years old and uh they have that early success it looks automatic you know and uh it's, it's, it's it, all the things so many things have to come together to for that to happen so i felt very very uh, um very uh lucky about that and, and also you know some other everything was a Monumental. When I finished college was monumental. When I when I got admitted to med school was monumental. When I graduated was monumental. Uh, when I got into internship, when I got into UCLA for my residency in anesthesiology, there's so many things that were uh, almost every step of the way was a, a monumental moment for me, you know, yeah. and, and that. And, uh, you know, and writing this memoir, you know, what happens is you kind of, it's kind of uh, cathartic. And you started, you know, like, for instance, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm on my fifth marriage now, but I've been married for uh, seven, seven, eight years in September, and we knew each other 12 years before we got married. I wanted to be sure this last time. Right. But in writing this, when I wrote this memoir and, and reflected on uh, the past and things that happened to me as a child and the family life and so on and so forth, it kind of gave me an idea of why I ended up uh, having these short-term, you know, uh, relationships uh, or marriages. Uh, so things like that, um, I mean, that's why I say it's cathartic mm -hmm. and, 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 and being able to, uh, when you go through that, you realize, you know, you come to the, you recognize things that ordinarily you wouldn't recognize, you know, just if you didn't stop to reflect. And, and I'm sure you both, both of you guys are in the same position. You're so busy living today's life and, to, and getting ready for tomorrow. You know, with you know, kids, marriage, uh, this, that, the politics, the this, that. You don't have really have time to stop and think about what happened to you when you were ten years old or right. sixteen years old, or, or to really think about it and analyze it. And that's what writing a, a memoir makes you do. It makes you relive those moments. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes do you ever have because I do this a lot myself when I reflect on the past. Did you ever think this thought pop in your mind, man, if I could talk to 16-year-old me, 12-year-old me, it's, what would what would I say? I think about that no a lot. Question. No question. I, I sometimes wish I could somehow relive it with the knowledge I have now. That's sort of what you're saying. And 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 maybe not make certain mistakes. They may, yeah, I, I definitely, definitely uh oh yeah, youth is definitely wasted on the young. If I can go back. Even 10 years and with the knowing everything that I know now, oh man, yeah, I think I would still make a lot of the important mistakes though. Well, you know, especially when it comes to athletic things, you know, because like now I know a lot of things I, I should do or could do, but I can't move anymore. Oh, oh first I, I thing I, I got, do? got knee problems, back problems, front problems. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have all these issues that come with age. Oh, but, uh, I'm a huge sports fan. So first thing I would do if I can do that, I would do like in Back to the Future too. I would bet every major championship long shots, every <laughs> race that ever happened. Right. 
But, uh, oh, yeah, the Buccaneers are definitely going to win the Super Bowl this year. Put as right. much money as I can. Right. Yeah. Isn't yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But Otto, is that now? And obviously, looking back, but and you know, it's it's interesting when you talk about like your memoir being cathartic because looking back, does can you look at the certain points and go, this had to happen? For me to get to where I am right now at this very moment. Oh yes, yeah, many moments like that, many, many. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't. Uh, as I think about it, um, yeah, many, many, many things happen that uh, um, that I, 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 nothing that I would really want to change. Because I always felt like this happened for a purpose, yeah. you know, and and this experience happened for a purpose. I don't know if I would be the same person if I had not had those ups and downs. I mean, the ups as well as the downs. The downs are just as important. I mean, the ups are just as important as the downs, and the downs are just as important as the ups. Because from and I try to teach this to my son now that you learn from mistakes. Yeah. And you learn from uh, other people's mistakes. You don't necessarily have to make the mistakes to learn from it. You can see some, I mean, if somebody, you know, one of the simple examples is somebody jumps off of three floors and, well, you know, not to jump off the third floor because you get hurt. You don't need to jump yeah. off the third floor to find out. Right. And that's sort of, you apply that to other things in life. Yeah. That you don't need to do this or do that. And especially, and that comes to, to uh, that came to me, especially in terms of, uh, of drug use and uh, and alcohol use. And things like that, where you you made certain decisions not to do this and not to do that, and you had other. Well, for example, in the music business, and I and I won't go into a lot of detail on that, but but uh, at that time of the seventies, it was a very uh, you know drugs were very. I'm sure it still is. I don't know. I'm not in that life. Yeah, drugs were very prominent, and as you know, we've had a lot of uh, uh, celebrities who've succumbed to you know yeah. drugs yeah. or this and that and yeah. other, and. Uh, and you learn by by making certain certain decisions that you made to to discontinue this or that. For example, one of the reasons I left the uh, when I was doing Taste of Honey, one of the reasons I left that uh, that uh, uh, the music business was because my my ex wife, who had been remarried and now re divorced, and we had a child who was eight years old, my first and only child at that point. This was 1979, 1980. She had an automobile accident and became quadriplegic, wow. and so that meant. And I had joint custody of my daughter, who was eight, but that meant my daughter had to live with me uh, full term. So I had to drop out of the music business. I had to stop doing as much socializing as I was doing, and had to become a, a, a caretaker, a, a parent. Um, had to look out to her, get in school, get her dressed in school, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. Yeah. So that changed that. I look at that moment, and that was one of the things that changed my life because when I got out of that business and I look back at some of the people that I was socializing with and dealing with during that period of time, they, some of them, not all of them, but some of them developed uh, serious uh, problems related to the social life that we were doing at the time. Yeah. You know, even if it was just staying up all night and, and not getting much sleep or, or you know, uh, smoking cigarettes or or, yeah. or doing different, uh, you know, around that time is when uh, uh, freebase and uh, and mm. uh, what do you call it crack and all that oh, stuff wow. 
yeah. started. Right, right around the time I quit the business is when wow. 1980 was when that became uh, prominent. And I, I look back that as life-saving because I also, at that point, I stopped <clears throat> for a period of time. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I was smoking marijuana. Prior to that, I stopped smoking marijuana. I had to do these things to take care of my daughter. So I saw that as a life-altering moment wow. that changed changed my uh, my life in, in terms of a lot of things. I became a, a, a fishitarian. I was trying to become a vegetarian. I ended up eliminating pork, beef, and 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 uh, chicken, but never, but uh, ended up, couldn't eliminate seafood. So I call myself a pescatarian or a fishitarian. Mm, that's cool. Uh, yeah. That's very but, cool. Um, but yeah, so certain things, that's one of the main things I look back on that really changed, that changed the direction I was going in. And, and, uh, uh, and I'm sure there are other things too I could talk about, but uh, did, did, did even you guys ever did read any part of the book or no? If not, I'm gonna send no. you to an autographed copy. Oh, oh my god, yes, that would be amazing! So much that would yeah. be amazing. I'll send you to an autographed copy so you can uh take and enjoy. So, I think you I can tell by your, your sense your sense of humor that you would love some of these stories in here. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait to read it. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm a again, I'm a visual reader and I. When I read, I like to have music playing, so I already know the yeah. soundtrack oh, I'm yeah. going to have going when I get my copy. That's cool. Right. Okay. That's very Some cool. people, you know, I've, I've noticed that um, one of the things I know, you know, I'm 70, 78 in September, but... You do I've not noticed. look it, sir. You look fantastic. You do well, not you. look like you're in yeah. your 70s. Thank you. Uh, thank you. My, my, uh, but my, uh, some of my friends, most of them were not familiar with um, Facebook. Uh, most of them didn't know how to, uh, didn't know what it, when the book first came out, the book was supposed to come out February 15th. And I had asked uh, back in December when I finished it, I asked that they release the book on one website, uh, elect, uh, where it was a, as an ebook, so I could give it to friends. But I ended up releasing it Amazon and every place. But anyway, what happened was then most of my friends, people my age, they didn't know what an ebook was. You know, so, and they and they didn't know they don't use Facebook. They and some didn't use email. I mean, it was pretty incredible that. Uh, and and I had you know I I happened because of the music business. I had started using. Uh, I had an office in 1980, and in that office, I, because of the music business I was involved in, I had one room that was dedicated to music. And I don't know if you remember MIDI. What MIDI was? M I D. Mm -hmm. Hi. Okay. Well, MIDI, the Apple computer in 1980-81 was the only computer that had MIDI. So I had a studio set up, and my my, my uh, musicians wanted an Apple. So they 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 they. Wow. Uh, so I had Apple computer there, and uh, and that's sort of how I got into using the Apple because uh, the computer I was using at that time using these big ten-inch floppy disks. I forget what it was even called. <laughs> yeah. Ten-inch floppy disks that would have you know. 30, 30, maybe two gigabytes. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, and, and I think I, my toaster I, has about three gigabytes of RAM. Right, right. <laughs> We've come a long way. But then that, that computer went down and I had, I started using Apple and I became an Apple computer person. You know, yeah. so I've always been into, so since that time, I've been, you know, 
pretty much into computer, especially Apple. Yeah. But most of my friends are not are not as computer literate. The people my age are not as computer literate. Yeah. And I didn't know that until I got in. I didn't really recognize it till uh, till this happened with trying to promote the the book. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. It it is. You know, and and obviously it kind of goes in waves. But and I I love Mac, I love Apple computers because I'm not a computer person. All I want to do is plug in uh, my my little hard drive and just start working instead of trying to figure out how to get it working. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's very interesting to to hear you 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 speak. You 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 have such a way. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this is when you talk about your history and thinking about, you know, talking about things that, that you realize took you from one moment to really the next chapter of your life and where you're supposed to be and grow from that. I think, uh, you know, everybody with this episode should go back and re-listen to it and, and really listen to, to some of the things that you're saying, because just listening to you makes me have feelings about my life. Right. Yeah. And some of the things that I have gone through. And I think, I think that's very, I don't know if it's important. I think it may be important for, uh, uh, an entertainment person to be able to do that. And where, you know, I can tell you're very passionate about your life and about the things that you've done and where you've been. And, and I certainly appreciate, um, I certainly appreciate you just for that is is being so, so wonderful and so giving of yourself. And I, I cannot wait (laughs) for your book. Same here. I really can't wait to get my hands on it. Great. And you got to give me feedback. You got to let me know what your favorite chapters were and even the chapters you didn't like so much. You know, oh, that's for all sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, and, and I, I'm not putting you on the spot, but I would love if you have your book right here in front of you, if you could just, if you would open it up or if you want to read, if there's a forward um, or something or the first, first, give us like an ex, uh, like an excerpt. Is that what it's called, Eric? Uh, yes. Yes. A first reading and give us a little bit of, of a flavor of your book. Any, anyone. Okay. Now there's so many, uh, I so know. many things in here I could read. Uh, I really don't know where to start. Um, <clears throat> uh, so many different chapters. Well, there's 45 chapters. Wow. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, that's forty-five chapters, and I don't know which uh, which mood you're in or which one you'd like to hear. You know what? Um, uh, do you do you have a forward? A, f- a forward, yeah, like a forward yes. of your book. You want it, yeah. w- would that be easier, or you just want to open up to a chapter and just start reading? And I know, well, I know, I know how. Like I not and again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think it's worth like having you give us like a little introduction to yeah. your book. Yeah. And I know people uh, right about now would be like, okay, so let's listen to it. Come on, man. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Let's see. Where should I start? Well, I could give you the the prologue. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I think the prologue is the perfect way to go to whet everybody's appetite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. 
As I wrote this memoir, I realized it was a challenge to bring alive a world that no longer exists except in my memory. But after I began to put my fingers to the keyboard, many visions and details from the past surfaced. And as I recalled those events, it served as a sort of catharsis. My gradual retirement began in 2016 and completed at the end of 2019 after 45 years of medical practice. And before that, I never took the time to reflect on my past. The demanding daily life of an anesthesiologist, plus a busy personal life that included, among many other endeavors, five marriages, four divorces, four children, a stepdaughter, and six grandchildren, and counting, kept me focused on today and tomorrow, not the past. I wrote about my childhood experience in Birmingham and my journey after I crossed the Alabama state line for the first time to attend college at 16. During that journey, I was the proverbial fish out of water. Each new place I went after that was a venture into uncharted territory, D.C., Brooklyn, Nashville, Harlem, Chicago, Puerto Vallarta, Los Angeles, Tahiti, among other destinations. Birmingham during the 1930s and 1940s was one vast belt of steel mills that covered miles and and, went the, and sent the local economy up and up. Men colored and white, including my father, flocked to work in the mills or, or to dig the coal or mine the iron ore in one of the few places on earth rich in both. I realized that the 1950s Birmingham was the worst of times for colors because of the Jim Crow conditions. But as I recall the first 16 years of my life in the place I call home, I realized in one respect, it was the best of times for colored people. <clears throat> I use colored because in those days, the majority preferred it. Call somebody black and you had a fight on your hands. The daily use of nigra and nigger by the local politicians and other racist whites moved the word negro to disfavor and nigger to our casual and jovial use. Over the years, we became black. You may notice I capitalized white, colored, and black when the words refer to race. And I transitioned from color to black usage as the use changed with the year the story took place. I consider the term African-American divisive and a misnomer, and I prefer black or black American. That opinion with more detailed explanation is present in part two of this memoir to be published at a future date. Colored people purchase hamburgers at Mac's Cafe, not McDonald's. We patronize Mr. Williams Groceries on the corner, not A&P, because there were no McDonald's, a supermarkets or uh, any supermarkets in the colored neighborhoods and because of segregation there were only colored uh, there were many colored entrepreneurs serving the colored communities whose businesses flourished these included but were not limited to two colored newspapers colored cleaners colored photography studios colored doctors colored bank colored construction companies colored funeral homes colored movie theaters there was a whole separate colored world that kept the dollars circulating the economic status of colors as a result ranged from poverty to millionaires and, and, and the imposed segregation kept the colored community and colored people, regardless of economic status, close together, unlike today. Remember that all colored community I experienced brought to my mind my favorite TV show of the 1950s, Amos and Andy. I saw the first episode at age six. Amos and Andy was a mythical colored world, but closer to my birth him world than anything on else on TV. I related to the 99% colored world as showcase, but that world was a mythical world to me because in my world, there was no possibility for a colored man or woman to become a police officer, a judge, a bus driver, a taxi driver, or other jobs as portrayed on the series. This memoir is a series of personal stories guided by 
internal, external, familial, environmental, and psychological forces that shape my unique experiences. And today, I can see from the political, national, and world dynamics that not so much has changed as I once thought, and obstacles I negotiated may not seem so much in the past as the dictum warns, quote unquote, history repeats itself. I've never shared the stories in this memoir because I had buried them deep in my 77-year-old subconscious. Some have surfaced here in black and white. Wow. So that's the most serious, uh, serious prologue. Uh, to, yeah. to, compared to some of the stories here, but uh, wow, I think you get the point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and so I'm I'm groundwork very well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and Pardon? I'm glad, I I'm super glad that we waited to the end to do that because it just shows the range I think that you cover right, and yeah. and I mean you're right. All the things that are seeming to go on right now, I would imagine it would have been you know back back then but i mean you know there's there's a lot of stuff to be said about the history of who we are as a nation yeah. as 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 individual people obviously as black and white um and i think yeah i, I don't know man i just i think everybody needs to understand history to move on and to get on with it, because if you yeah. don't know your history, it really does repeat itself. We're going right? to keep repeating it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been asked the question, like they said, coming out of that uh, experience and environment, how come how can you not hate white people? <laughs> and I have to point out that the civil rights movement would not have occurred if it had not been for white people. Wow. Because. As you know, may may or may not know the Philadelphia the Philadelphia three those mm -hmm. two were white, mm -hmm. one was yeah. Jewish. and 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 uh, I, uh, what's her name um, and and other people have lost their lives. The Freedom Riders, the Freedom yes. Riders were were uh, when they would protest in bus bus segregation, were whites and black on the bus, and those people that came and. And, and and white people, especially that rode on those buses, put their life life at, at risk. So I saw that, you know, growing up, and I saw. So I knew that you had to develop antennas to determine who who's good and who's bad. You had had to kind of learn because it didn't mean that every white person is the devil, right. or that every uh, white person is great. Mm -hmm. You know, black person is great. Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You had to had developed sort of a skill. To to figure people out, so I think that's one of the one of the one of the questions I'm often asked, uh, saying growing up in that experience, how can you? And that's the answer that there there are that people put their lives at risk for for uh, there was an Italian lady I can't remember her name right now, who lost her life uh, driving from Selma to uh, Tuskegee, uh, was was shot and killed in a in a car, so that. There's all kind of things, all kind of people. It would not have happened without uh, a combination of, of white and black people in the civil rights movement, and that's oh, something that we have to have to have to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we need more of that. Is people coming together and 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 just supporting us as a well, community. The thing about a diverse culture is that you realize everybody has the same thing. Everybody wants. Yeah. That's for the kids. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to live peacefully, yeah. and uh, and uh, raise their families, and 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 you have a lot more in common than than you think when it comes to that. Yeah, you know, and traveling brings that out too. You go to other countries. I mean, it, people are all 
dealing with the same kind of issues no matter where you are are yeah. it's, it's the same yeah. family children etc yeah man i i think that is unfortunately I mean, I we could probably stay here all day. This is talk. a whole other podcast. <laughs> I know, you know right? This, we'll leave all this for episode for part two of yeah. this interview. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I I tell you, Otto. First of mm-hmm. all, I would thank you. You are absolutely a blessing for who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And second of all, thank you for being a creative. And you know, it's hard. And and this, I, I promise I'll I'll wrap up, but it's hard to be a creative. But yeah. the success that you've had and that you've gone through all the things, this this is why people go to Los Angeles. This is people why people go to New York. This is why people start a garage band when they go and they buy their microphone, go to acting class, go to a writing class to achieve all these things that you, you've been there and done that. And so um, what advice, and, and, and I ask you this as a creative, but also as a black man in America, um, what kind of advice would you give creatives of all color right now? I say that you have to really do work hard. It's, it takes a lot of hard work and never give up. You have to continue to to strive at whatever your particular goal is and and just work work at it. And I tell my 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 son this all the time that um, positive energy creates positive results. When mm-hmm. you think positive and you put it out of the universe that you you're trying to do this thing, and you and not just put it out there, but you actually work on it, it happens. Yeah. You know, but it takes uh, you can't just say I want to do it and sit back and do nothing. You have to do it and have a plan and work on it and strive towards it. And things just happen. It seems like, you know, I always felt like, you know, I, and I have no way of proving that this is true or whatever. But it seems like after my my father died in 1968 at age 53. And it seems like. He was always and I'm not a terribly religious person so it didn't come from that but it seems like he was always watching over me it seems like every time i decided to do something i could hear his voice telling me don't do that do this or, or do this or do that uh and and things just happen uh, you know and, and i can't you know every every goal that i set uh and worked at it happened you know even in college you know my first two years of college were rough because it was an adjustment starting college not just because well, I was in an all black college but I, there was a there were some people who had a lot of money we I had no money I didn't have a suit some students wore suits and ties every day and this and that so it was an adjustment and I had a terrible accent like I would say tote this cross street uh-huh. you know what I said <laughs> no <laughs> one of you know right I said tote this cross the street uh-huh. which means carry this I had to right, learn right. translate yeah. that carry this cross Street. So I had to learn a new language because I had that Alabama dialogue that they were making fun of, and and uh, so so it's always an adjustment, and it's always uh, 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 where you just put put it, it positive. Going back to positive energy creates positive results. Yeah. So that's what I would say to uh, anyone that's wherever where whatever position you are in life, 
you just have to work work at it and work hard and do the work. Yeah. And things things will yes. happen. Yes. Somehow, some way they happen. Somehow, some way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who would think that I would have ever I've always I've talked about writing a book, you know, starting back in in, in you know 1980s, but I never never said that never put pen to paper until until I started retirement. Mm. And here we are. You know, so wow. Mm. Uh and so you know that's that's just the way things happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. same thing when I said I want to be a doctor. I started saying I want to be a doctor at age six after spending time in a uh, one of my friend's father's office, and it happened. Wow. You know, but it took a lot of work, work yeah. and there were it, it wasn't like a straight shot. There were there were trials and tribulations and rough times and adjustments and, and as I mentioned, going through college in you know, my first two years. I was busy adjusting to the social life and finding out who you are. I mean, that's a vulnerable. And then being 16, starting the colleges, I don't recommend that to anybody, I, I, you know, starting early because there's physical maturity and there's mental maturity. And both of them, you are, you are kind of lacking uh, when you put in a environment with old, older people. It can be uh, devastating. So I had all of those issue, issues just to, but uh, it's, uh, you can do it. You know, yeah. it's just work. Yeah, you you're you're yeah. A, you're a, you're a living testament to hard work. Uh, let me ask you. Okay, one more question. Okay. Did do or did or do you think that self belief has propelled you to to all the things that you've done? Definitely, definitely. You have to believe believe in yourself. You have to, and and uh, yeah, I think that's the number one. The number one thing is believing that you can do it and then working towards it. Yeah. And I try and, to project it to my my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and it's so true. I think, oh boy. I think one thing people have to go through what they have to go through to learn. Yes. And 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 that's a hard that's a hard thing to watch because as yeah, you know, I'm I'm a parent, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 I when I taught acting in, in LA. I know what's out there when you first go out, you know, you want to be, you know, Mr. Movie star, that's not yeah. going to happen. And, yeah. but people don't, people aren't sold that. And on TV, when they watch entertainment tonight, they're sold. Oh, come out. And you're going to be Mr. Movie star the next day. Right. Mr. Right. Act actress right. Uh, or miss actress. But, um, and I, I just, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think, I think what what you say is absolutely true is the self-belief in yes. in ourselves and just letting the the path kind of open up, right? It's not always easy, it's not always pretty, but man oh man, the things that the things that just saying yes to, who knows where that will take you and the life that you'll live and you'll learn. So that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Beautiful. And I Beautiful. think that's the perfect way to end the show this week. Um, Otto, we just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your story. And we will definitely have you back on before the next book comes out just to get your opinion on stuff. It was such a great time. All of the links where you can purchase the book will be in the description if you're listening in on Anchor, and it will definitely be up, you know, on all of our social media when this episode goes up. Otto, thank you so much for coming on. And Man, like thank you for say, having me. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thank you.
And like yeah. we say each and every week here, remember, support our troops. 